Hello everyone. This episode is especially for all the fans out there who enjoy Wallace and Gromit from different countries outside the UK. A big shout out to you all. I think from the podcast stats, we've had people listen from every continent, apart from Antarctica, which I think is incredible. Thank you all so much. In this week's episode on World of Wallace and Gromit, the podcast, we'll have a look at how Wallace and Gromit have been embraced all over the world, their visits to different places, and how they've been received in other cultures. Hope you enjoy, and don't forget to subscribe to not miss future episodes. I thought we'd start by casting our minds back to 1995, 21st of October to be precise. A close shave had been finished in September, but not due to come out till Christmas. But they had recently won an Oscar in March of that year for the wrong trousers. So, to make the most of the attention they'd had from the Oscars, Wallace and Gromit creator Nick Park flew to New York with Aardman's publicity manager, Arthur Sheriff, to go and do five days of intensive interviews there, particularly as the UK press were a bit indifferent to their success. And the best bit was that Wallace and Gromit were going to go with them. The Wallace and Gromit models from a close shave with their motorbike and sidecar were all carefully packed into a large black box, which they took out with them so they could be used for extra publicity shots. On the day of the flight, Nick and Arthur flew out from Heathrow. But when they got to New York, the weather was awful. A gale had blown in and they'd just had six months of rainfall in one afternoon so the plane ended up circling around for three hours before they could actually land. This meant that by the time they'd got off the plane, the limousine that was supposed to be meeting them was gone. They got into a yellow cab instead, who drove them to their hotel. When they get there, it's chucking it down, so they pay the driver and he opens the boot of the car from the inside, so they can get their bags, amidst lots of kerfuffle as about ten people are also trying to get in the cab. A hotel porter grabs their bags and they all hurry inside. They get into the hotel lobby and that's when they realise that neither the hotel porter nor either of them have Wallace and Gromit. They left them in the boot by mistake. Nick runs out of the hotel to try and catch the cab but of course there's loads of them that look identical and the one that they were in had driven away. What a disaster. They were the originals and cost about £10,000 each to make, but could be sold for hundreds of thousands. How on earth were they going to get them back? The next day, Arthur and Nick faxed an all-points bulletin to all the newspaper, TV and radio stations around, complete with a sketch of Wallace and Gromit by Nick and details of how they lost them. Arthur followed up with phone calls, but none of them were interested in a couple of missing plasticine models until, out of exasperation, he mentioned that he represented three-time Oscar winner Nick Park. They quickly discovered that that was how to get the attention of Americans. Suddenly, everyone was interested. CNN came round and filmed Nick talking about Wallace and Gromit, and the piece was shown every few minutes that morning. It's all going a bit crazy, and then Arthur thought, why should it only be the US media that gets this story? So he phoned round the UK newsrooms. The first newspaper was the Daily Telegraph, and he says, Hi, it's Arthur Sheriff, and we've lost Wallace and Gromit in New York. The whole of America is looking for them. The news editor was overjoyed, as it was a slow news day, so sent round a journalist and a photographer who arrived in five minutes. Whilst Nick was doing that interview, Arthur calls the Daily Mail, The Sun, nine newspapers in total, and they all came round. 
They kept asking if it was all a stunt, and Arthur kept having to say, no, we have actually lost them, this is genuine. The story spread all over the world. India, China, it was even on page three of French paper Le Monde. It was a publicist's dream that you could never have set up. There was just so much interest in the story. Fortunately, it all turned out well, as whilst the mayhem was happening, the taxi driver turned up a few days later, having heard about the story on the radio, and he had the box with Wallace and Gromit inside. If people hadn't heard of Wallace and Gromit before, they certainly had now. When Arthur and Nick boarded their return flight after the five days, they brought the characters on board as hand luggage, and as a flight attendant helped Arthur with his Wallace and Gromit branded bag into the overhead locker, she cheerfully exclaimed, Have you heard? They found them. Arthur and Nick shared a smile at that. Then, just before takeoff, the captain spoke to all the passengers. We're delighted to welcome Nick Park on board today, and you'll be relieved to know that Wallace and Gromit are safely on the plane as well. This was followed by spontaneous applause. What a lovely end to a crazy few days. When Wallace and Gromit got lost in New York, that was the catalyst they needed to go from being known to being popular. However, some countries outside the UK were bigger fans prior to all this, namely Japan. When Ardman were releasing The Wrong Trousers, there was some apprehension as to how these very British characters and jokes would translate abroad. But they needn't have worried. It turns out that it doesn't matter that the subtle jokes or references might not be picked up, but what Wallace and Gromit does is resonate with a lot of perceptions about what Britishness is all about. The Japanese might interpret the characters slightly differently, but still love them for who they are. Apparently, Japanese teenage girls are Wallace and Gromit's number one fans over there. Ardman's Lucy Wendover remembers that the Japanese wanted to film a documentary featuring a family in Preston that they could go and visit and have tea with. They had to have flock wallpaper in the house, and she remembers there must have been about ten minutes where the camera was just scanning over the wallpaper, and the family were just sitting there watching TV all seems wonderfully bizarre to us. If anyone's seen this documentary or knows where I can watch it, I would absolutely love to know. This fascination with Wallace and Gromit has resulted in the production of loads of merchandise that's only available in Japan. Much to the disappointment of UK fans, but I'm sure most of it can be found online somewhere. You may remember in episode 10, Commercials in Clay, I mentioned that the first adverts Wallace and Gromit ever did were for Japanese companies. When they joined forces with the insurance company Sumitomo, which I also mentioned, when someone took out an insurance policy, they got a range of Wallace and Gromit gifts, like circular tables, little fridges, even a folding Wallace and Gromit bike, which Nick Park reportedly rode round the Ardman Studios on. But, without a doubt, touring exhibitions are the biggest way of reaching fans all over the world, outside films. In 1996 to 1997, Ardman set up a touring exhibition in Japan with Wallace and Gromit sets, props, models, behind-the-scenes shots and information, which was hugely popular. It went round lots of top department stores in Kobe, Osaka, Tokyo, and with up to 40,000 people a week going through. Everyone wanted to say that they'd seen a real Wallace and Gromit model or set. In 1998, there was an exhibition in the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, where, like the Japanese exhibition, you could see original production sets, models and storyboards from the films, as well as a video from Nick Park explaining the detailed and long processes that go into making the films. 
visitors were also invited to make their own souvenir flipbooks to illustrate basic animation principles, and the director of the museum said the exhibition was more popular than Picasso. Moving forward a few years, after Wallace and Gromit's World of Invention was shown on television in, in 2010, and the 2009 Science Museum Cracking Ideas exhibit was so popular, more on that in a later episode, a new World of Invention exhibition opened the other side of the world in Australia. Visitors walked into a life-size 62 West Wallaby Street and could explore lots of weird and wonderful Wallace inventions like the Telescope 2, the Blendomatic, the Thinking Cap and the Karaoke Disco Shower, as well as some ideas that never got off the drawing board, like the Chocolate Teapot and the Ice Hot Water Bottle. Starting at ScienceWorks in Melbourne in May, the exhibition then travelled to the Powerhouse Museum in Sydney in December with over 100,000 visitors literally walking through Wallace and Gromit's front door. In 2015, visitors to Art Ludique Le Musée in Paris were treated to an Aardman exhibition featuring Wallace and Gromit, along with lots of other Aardman characters. With over 350 concept drawings, character and background studies, plus Nick Park's sketchbooks where Wallace and Gromit were born, with lots more video clips, this exhibition, entitled Aardman, Art That Takes Shape, was one I particularly wish I could have gone to. The same exhibition then travelled to Frankfurt in Germany to stay in the German Film Museum, where it opened as the Art of Ardman in 2016. Then, this exhibition was adapted into one named Wallace and Gromit and Friends, The Magic of Ardman, which opened in the Australian Centre for the Moving Image in Melbourne, Australia, to mark Ardman's 40th anniversary in 2017. As well as an exhibition, the centre also screened lots of Ardman films, which I think was a nice addition. Finally, I believe it travelled to Seoul in South Korea in 2018. Of course, I haven't mentioned the Hong Kong Gromit Unleashed sculptures, but don't worry, I plan to look at those in a future episode. Also, many apologies if I've missed anything you know of. If you're a fan of Wallace and Gromit from outside the UK, I'd love to hear of your experience and why you love them, so do get in touch either through the podcast page, the World of Wallace and Gromit Instagram, or emailing worldofwallaceandgromit at gmail.com. What do you think of that then, Gromit? Some of you may remember that back in 2010, the Sun newspaper started featuring daily Wallace and Gromit comic strips in its paper. Each day would have three or so panels, which would make sense in their own right, but put together with the other five strips from that week, would tell a larger story. And it's these stories that have been put together in a larger book form for people to enjoy all at once. Volume 1 of the complete newspaper comic strips collection has the comic strips from 2010 to 2011 papers and Volume 2 from 2011 to 12. I believe there's also a Volume 3, but I don't actually have that one. Personally, I'm a big fan of comic strips, especially Wallace and Gromit ones, and these books are great for dipping in and out of, as none of the stories are more than a double page spread long. Filled with plenty of Wallace and Gromit style jokes, there are over a hundred different stories to read over the two books. Perfect for rainy days. All's well that ends well, that's what I say. That brings us to the end of our Going Global episode. Again, apologies if I've missed anything particular out, but I hope you've enjoyed listening all the same. I think it's fair to say that no matter where you're from, there's a little bit of Wallace and Gromit inside all of us that makes them so relatable. See you next week. From me, from Gromit, from Arj. Au revoir, chucks.